and welcome to Book Chatter, a monthly book club podcast presented by Longmont Public Library. I'm Barb, your host for this episode, and with me are Denise. Hi. Jana. Hello. And Josie. Hello. To discuss our latest pick, Broken in the Best Possible Way by Jenny Lawson. And spoiler alert, we will be discussing this book in its entirety today, so there will be spoilers in this podcast. If you haven't finished reading the book yet, you might want to come back to this episode when you've done so. Let's start with a little bit of information about the author and her work. Jenny Lawson rose to fame as a writer online with her blog, The Bloggus, like Mother Teresa, only better. About herself and her writing, she's posted... I've been blogging about my strange little life for over a decade. It's mainly dark humor mixed with brutally honest periods of mental illness. I'm not sure how it happened, but somehow this became a very popular award-winning blog. In 2012, my first book, Let's Pretend This Never Happened, a mostly true memoir, debuted at number one on the New York Times bestseller list, and my second book, Furiously Happy, a funny book about horrible things, spent five months on the New York Times top 20 bestseller list. I assure you, no one was more surprised about this than I was. I assume I'm in a coma and all of you are fever dreams, magnificent fever dreams. I recently published my third book, You Are Here, an owner's manual for dangerous minds, and you should totally get a dozen copies. In April of 2021, Broken, in the best possible way, will be released, if we're all still alive. Now, thankfully for us, we're all still alive. Broken's been released, and now we get to throw some stars at it. Uh, Denise, would you start us off, please? Sure. Thank you, Barb. Well, you know, I read both of her previous books as well, and I feel like this one was just a deeper dive into her life. The The first one was a good introduction, foundation for you know her family life and her early years. And then the middle one was definitely the focus on um, her mental health and just what that looks like day to day. And it was hysterical. But this one goes, um, takes a, more, a little bit more serious note, weaves more definite, more purpose of awareness. I really loved the stories, the, the stream of consciousness that she she gives almost entirely without filter. Mm-hmm. I mean, you are inside her head. And I think she has a brilliant way of letting the reader see and hear what it's like to have anxiety and other mental health conditions. I feel like Broken was not as side-splittingly funny as her previous book, but I don't think it should be either. As a side note, I listened to this book as an audiobook because the author read it, and she did an extremely good job. I don't think another uh, reader could have really gotten the inflection and the tone as well. The most important thing you should know about this is that if you are listening to this on audio CD in your car, the last disc, disc will not play. And the reason for that is... It is images from the book, so that's definitely something I had to realize and figure out uh, without <laughs> sending it back as a defective copy. <laughs> so, but I definitely gave it five stars. I love all of her works and um, hope she continues to write. Yes, yes. And I agree with you, Denise. This book is a deeper dive into the author's life. I read Furiously Happy when it came out a few years ago. That's her second book. And there she was focused on making 
good mental health days, which is not every day for her, even better by finding joy in outrageous ways. Here, however, she's celebrating the beauty and brokenness, her own and others, whether that's physical, mental, emotional, even spiritual brokenness. And that stream of consciousness writing, she can take you to places you never thought you'd want to go. (laughs) And she also is... mm, She tackles difficult topics here, Um, mental illness, shame, marital difficulties, chronic disease. These are not happy things, and yet she can disarm them with her fierce sense of humor. Um, The awkwarding bringing us together chapter is absolutely snort-worthy. I was reading this uh, quietly at home, and... I had to go share it with my son who heard me howling from the next room (laughs) the first time I read it. And yeah, I did reread it. Um, I give this book a wholehearted 4.5 stars. Am I next? Okay. Um, So at first, uh, I I took this book um, as an e-book on vacation. The first I think it's the first couple chapters. Anyway, the the shoe chapter, you know, she keeps losing her shoes like six times. She... (laughs) kicks them off or, or something and they get in the elevator and and I was like uh, I'm gonna hate this book <laughs> uh, I would have stopped reading after that first chapter if it had been just a book reading for pleasure mm. but since I was reading it for work for, for you fair wonderful people um I, I stuck with it and I'm glad I did so I, I first I was like oh this is going to be I didn't find it funny I understand mm-hmm. pe- other people probably find it funny um I'm more of a deadpan kind of funny, like Tignataro. I think she's hilarious mm. in the way she delivers her lines. And she also is a dark humorist yeah. um, that talks about illness. But I I think it, it got a lot better. Um, there were a lot of funny chapters, you know, the awkward chapter, um, the dog condom chapter, and a yes. couple other ones that were just fantastic. Um, but that, that letter that she wrote to the insurance company, okay. I mean, that was worth the entire book to me. Mm-hmm things she wrote about mental illness as a person who struggles with it, who's dealt with it since my college years. You know, some of the stuff she said was just, it made me tear up because it was so, it was so spot on for me. Stick with it, folks. Um, It's well worth your time. I gave it four stars. And for me, um, this was my first time reading Jenny Lawson and her writing reminded me a lot of David Sedaris. Um, it comes across to me as a lot of um, stand-up comedy does. I really like that she's bringing feminism to comedy um, and that she has she's writing pr- from the perspective of a woman. I appreciated that. I have to agree with Josie that there were some chapters that I didn't find as funny, um, but there are a lot of pearls in there as you read through this, so I do agree that it's definitely worth reading because she does uh, use humor to deflect and process the pain associated with mental illness and difficult emotions. And we've talked in this podcast before about how um, humor is a tool for helping us to move through difficult times. And so I give this four stars. Great. And before we jump into discussion questions, I thought it would be interesting to talk a little bit about the genre of broken in the best possible way. Um, Is this memoir? Is this a collection of essays? Uh, Is this humor? What, what is this? Is it all of the above? Any, any thoughts? 
I feel like it's a little more overarching than just memoir. It mm-hmm. is really here is my life. It's almost just this kind of releasing of everything. You know, mm-hmm. you, you you get what's in her head. You get her memories. You get her frames of reference, her perspective. You get all of it. And I think you really get what it is to be her, not just to follow her story, mm. um, how she relates to the world, how she, um, how what it looks and feels like to have those messed up days in her head. Oh, yeah. um, I felt like the shoe chapter was, this is me. Um, and she talks later on about having problems with memory just because. Oh, yes. Look at shoes that fit. <laughs> but, but remember, she, she even said, you know, she fights with her husband, but she knows he'll probably win because he'll just tell her, you know, well, you just, you said this. And, oh, and she'll have no remember that. So she may not be able to remember what size her shoe is. I guess. Yeah, I don't I know. Yeah. But it's got to be very difficult to, to have things seem so scrambled sometimes. And like, mm. I probably have lost my shoe more than this, but mm. this is what I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think um, we get so much of her. We get her pain. We get her complexity. Mm-hmm. We get, um, and then we get how she, what she gets out of reaching out to others. Mm-hmm. Just throwing out a simple question and getting so much from it. Mm-hmm. Um, support and validation. And I'm sure she was definitely finding it snort worthy as well. (laughs) (laughs) So I think it's a little too complex to pin down to any one genre. Mm -hmm. This is the second book that we've talked about in this podcast that's based on blogs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there was the Allie Brosh one. um, Yes, the graphic novel. Mm -hmm. And I think it's there. It's very, yeah, it's very different than when I think of a collection of essays, they usually have some sort of overarching theme right? or a collection of writings. Um, mm-hmm. This, yeah, it seemed just like it was a memoir in blog form, <laughs> kind of, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, which, you know, does that merit publishing a book or can we just go to her blog and get the same That's a great experience? Question. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, is there anything in her books that isn't on her blog? I don't follow her blog, you know, or is it all just sort of, I already wrote these things and now there's an editor coming and, and fussing with them mm-hmm. and making them into mm-hmm. a book. Mm-hmm. There's there's definitely things here that are not in the blog. Okay. I think yeah. it's uh, it's a more um, cohesive rather than just... A more focused. Yeah, oh boy. The, yeah, the blog is a little... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more like the Wild um, West. Huh? <laughs> yeah, they're more like journal snippets, mm-hmm. oh, okay. journal entries or yeah. something like that. And then or there's other... Maybe more F-bombs. I don't know. <laughs> Is yeah. that possible? <laughs> no, I think it's possible. Yeah, don't listen to this with your children in the car. <laughs> no, don't do it. No. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, um, I don't know. I just felt like there were some chapters in there. The shoe chapter, the shark tank, shark tank chapter. Yeah, that was stupid. <laughs> I had a hard time I'm relating like, what? to that one. <laughs> it's all about, you know, body functions and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> she's running out like, of material. I think let's <laughs> fan this book a little bit more. But yeah, yeah, I think that's yeah. why it reminded me of stand-up comedy because you know those are the themes of stand-up mm. comedy. It's kind of mm-hmm. like let's let it all out. There's yeah, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. there's no filter, and let's get at those things yeah. that are a little bit more taboo that you know we don't talk about in polite society. Yeah, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not yeah. a prude about it. It wasn't like I was offended. It was just, I d- you know, I don't know. 
I mean, I should find potty humor funny because I have two boys, <laughs> you know. But Comes with the territory, it kind of—I don't know. <laughs> I just—I felt like some of that stuff in there, you know, I could have just flipped over that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. but that's you know, I'm not the editor. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> she talks about the editor. She talks about the editor too. Yeah. And the, oh yep. my, what a process it must yeah. be working with, with her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, those poor editors. I bet right. they're really yeah. patient people. <laughs> yep. Well, going on to discussion, uh, we thought we'd open with a little bit about mortifying moments because there is, like I mentioned, a priceless, just a worth the cost of the book if you're buying it. Probably, uh, yeah. The the chapter on awkwarding and um, what that tells us about our humanity. Jana, did you want to comment on that? Or- yeah, I'd like to read a quote from that because um, she intersperses these comments from herself um, in between the tweets, which mm-hmm. that's how the folks that wrote in with their own mortifying moments uh, did it, was tweeting back at her. She originally mm-hmm. published this first mortifying tweet, and then it just took off um, mm-hmm. when she invited others to respond. And so she writes, as the stories continue to roll in, I watch people slowly realize that no one really wants to celebrate the size of your yacht, hair, waist, penis. What really brought the world together was dropping the pretense that everything is shiny and perfect so that for a moment we could all accept how wonderfully human we are. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and one of our <laughs> listeners, Jason, uh, commented uh, on this very thing. He wrote in to say that he likes it when Lawson shares that awkward moment and encourages others to share theirs out there too. And he's, he's, he's made this uh, observation that, that this makes those who won't or don't have awkward moments to share, the awkward ones is turning the tables. And then we, those artless misfits, with all of our mortifying moments, can feel a little sorry for them. I thought that was terrific. Yeah, I, um, I was thinking about when I was reading it, and it stopped me for a second because I realized as I'm reading them, I'm nodding. Right. Oh, gosh. Yes. <laughs> and why am I nodding? Because, you know, that's sort of there for the grace of God, you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it may have happened in, to me and no one saw it or, oh, yeah. you know, almost happened. But mm-hmm. we definitely are, are, are going, yeah, I could see what that would be like. Or, you know, and then what would I have done if I saw that? What if I have done if that oh. happened to me? You know, in the moments where you trip and fall, you walk into a wall and someone's like, oh, I didn't even see that. You're like, <laughs> bless you. <laughs> you just want to hug them. But it does. It, it definitely is unifying. Mm-hmm. And when we begin to see we all are that and we're, it's going to happen, mm-hmm. we're all essentially the same DNA. So we can't escape our, humanism, our, our humanity. So right. embrace it and, you know, laugh with each other and be kind. I felt like they kept us listening, kept us reading, kept us wanting to know what is that next thing that someone else could have happened? Some were very, very odd. Like, you can't make this stuff up. Sure. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, you kind of wanted more, I think, partly mm-hmm. just for the humor, but partly what else is has happened to other people? Mm. You know, what is the, sort of the possibilities of the experience? Um, and, and even though some of it seemed ridiculous, some of it seemed out of the scope of what, you know, you would ever think of, there was still always a plausibility. Mm-hmm. Always. Oh, a, very relatable. Yeah. Like that yeah. woman who who, who uh, had her 
she didn't have her kids with her, but she's like, say thank you to the nice man, kids. And she realized, oh, my kids are here. <laughs> yeah. And so she's just like <laughs> talking to her imaginary kids. Or I Yeah, I liked the one that was the woman that was in church, and she was trying to raise money for someone who had had a, um, an explosion with his um, a device that they, they put in for um, the military. Mm-hmm. What? Oh, yeah. right. But it she was said, a, a roadside bomb, an IED. Yeah, an IED. Mm-hmm. But she, she said, oh, she said IUD. Oh, right, right. <laughs> the exploding IUD. <laughs> yes. 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 That'd be terrible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. We've gotten that term mixed up in my house with my teenage daughters. <laughs> I couldn't even remember it because it's not a normal thing that I say. So yeah, I, yes. I really relate to that. Yeah, like, no, no, mommy. Mommy's okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah. You'd mentioned when we were talking earlier, Jan, about how reading them brings up our own memories and, you know, the challenge of like, well, what would we say? And I have a couple of them, but one of them was, uh, I was in a store one time and, you know, you have little kind of blonde-ish girls and they're about a certain height, you know, and you're keeping them safe and you're doing this over here, but out of the corner of your eye, you see them and you go to just take them by the arm and come on, let's go. And I started to say, you know, what I usually say to them, to, you know, you know, here we go, you know, come on and call them by the name. I usually call them and reach out. And I turned, because I saw this blonde next to me and I turned around and I just darn near grabbed someone else's child. They're all great. You know? Right. Like, I'm just multitasking and we're getting through the errands and I almost kidnapped somebody. Yes. Right. I mean, thankfully we made eye contact and I think she just pretty quickly ran away (laughs) (laughs) right oh my gosh yeah that's terrific but um (laughs) yeah that one of my more public moments but if anyone Mm. else dares to uh oh yes foray into this as well should we share ours oh sure in the spirit of broken (laughs) in the best possible way i'll share a mortifying moment Okay, this goes back to uh, college days. I'm dating a, a handsome, curly-haired, blonde guy who runs track, and I'm trying to be really impressive. And, uh-huh. and uh, we're walking down the street, and uh, you know, I'm 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 laying on the charm as best I can, and and suddenly he he stops and says, um, "Barb." There's something hanging out the back of your pants. <laughs> 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 you know, did did the old behind me double take? And apparently, when I put on my pants this morning, there was a pair of extra underwear, <laughs> and it, unbeknownst to me, had managed to work its way down to the cuff of my pants. It was <laughs> flapping up behind me. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, didn't have too many dates, so that got <laughs> oh, no. At least he was honest. Yeah. But, oh, he laughed, and I must have turned you know thirteen shades of red. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was that was a truly that mortifying funny. moment. <laughs> That's good. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll share one. It. I don't know. I had a hard time. I'm not easily mortified. I guess. <laughs> but it, it happened. Um, when I worked at the Boulder Public Library, and we would often, as a reference staff, talk about the databases we had and do a little class. Mm-hmm. And I was talking about primary sources and oh. what you know what we could offer to students, and et cetera. Mm-hmm. And I said, um, and a really great resource that's in the 900s that I really like that has all this original primary source material is the Annals of America. <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> it's the Annals 
A N N A L S of America, <laughs> and um, so thankfully I was with friends and coworkers, you know, and they just yes. guffawed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was that was one of the ones I yeah <laughs> the annals of America. Oh my goodness, that's great. Yeah. Well, my story is is similar to that area, the nether region. The annals. Well, <laughs> the annals. So wow. not quite that area, but the, the lady parts. So I what she refers to as the lady parts I in the book. I love her terminology. Yeah. So the lady the, garden for our <laughs> listeners who don't live in Colorado. Um, we do have a lot of hot springs in this state, and we have a lot of wild hot springs as well that you can hike and backpack into. And so mm-hmm. my husband and I went one weekend and backpacked in, um, and, you know, it was evening. And, of course, it's clothing optional, right, so you can just yes. sit in there. But it's a pretty well-known spot, and so it was a little bit crowded. Um, we were kind of close together, and, I, you know, I was sitting right by my husband, and I, I thought I was sitting on his foot, and then I realized, <laughs> oh, Okay, this is the foot of some other guy. Oh <laughs> like, were you naked? Yeah, no, of course we were naked. Like, <laughs> it was nighttime, and like you're in the wilderness, so. But yeah, we, we to this day, like yeah, we. Did you make we, eye contact? We laugh about that. Oh, good. I don't know. I, I think I just tried to like blow it off and just like move move off of his yes. foot. <laughs> A little bold when you're out in the wild, aren't you? <laughs> Under cover of darkness. Oh <laughs> no. Well, Well, listeners, we would love to hear your stories of mortifying moments. Uh, Please uh, send them off to us online or uh, by email, or you can even leave us a voicemail. And uh, we'd love to hear your stories. Maybe share them in the next podcast. Now, Lawson goes on uh, deeper than just mortifying moments that we all share to addressing her darkest struggles with mental illness. She writes, I am hollow, scooped out, empty. I am a shadow on her drawing. She reveals this knowing that it may cause normal people to back away or hesitantly step closer, but both are in bad ways. And that it makes her maybe a little less relatable. And onto the topic of mental illness, um, our uh, listener Jason also sent us a question. Why are people so afraid of mental illness? If everyone is messed up in some way, why does everyone try to look perfect? Why not accept that I'm messed up and you're messed up, so let's be messed up together? Well, um, mental illness is, is not pretty. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, absolutely. I mean, it's not... Tee hee hee ha ha ha! It's so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's terrifying to watch someone going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it can be deadly. Mm-hmm. It can be a terminal illness. It yeah. ends in suicide. Um, yeah. So I think that's why people are scared of it, mm-hmm. and uh, you don't want it to happen to you. All right. Maybe. Yeah. I think the unpredictability of it. Mm-hmm. You know the behavior. You don't know what the response may be or what the the behavior may look like. And sometimes it is sudden and it is unexpected. It's um, over the top or it's the opposite of what you would normally, you know, w- would be appropriate to the situation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. maybe a fear of the unknown comes in too. But he has a great point that it's probably more like what I call just different flavors of the same thing. If you put a bunch of jelly beans in a bag, right, all the jelly belly flavors, you really don't necessarily, you may not know what they're all going to taste like, mm-hmm. but they're all the same jelly bean essentially. So 
yeah, if we're all willing to put that effort in, maybe we could have a different outcome and maybe it wouldn't be so scary. Yeah. And maybe part of it has to do with the fact that um, mental illness can be invisible. That, that, you know, you may not be able to look at a person, for example, and say, oh, that person's depressed or uh, she's anxious or, uh, you know, she's struggling with dementia, you know, until you, you get a little bit more acquainted with the person and understand uh, their quirks, their ways of acting. You may not even realize, oh, underneath it all, mm-hmm. she's struggling with something here that's invisible to the eye. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, maybe that makes it a little bit harder because it, it then requires you to say something about it. Like, you know, I'm, I'm struggling right now with anxiety and I really can't leave the house. Can you help me? Can you come over and, you know, we'll, we'll share a wine cooler and watch mm-hmm. weird reality TV till 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I'll talk through my problems with you. And right. so, you know, it makes you uh, maybe invisible, but also, you know, Vulnerable in a way that makes you have to say something, and that's part of the um, that's part of the problem. That's part of the stigma is that you have to speak up. I think so too, and Mm -hmm. I think some of that invisibility. You know, the more I, you know, I learned about things like um, high functioning anxiety. Oh, Mm -hmm. and that's an interesting one because you may seem fine, or you may maybe seem annoyed, but um, the outward can seem rather placid or expected, but underneath is an absolute maelstrom oh. of churning and mm-hmm. crazy and so many things going on that people may not realize it. And then if it does, you know, sort of boil over or, you know, come out, you can't contain it all. Mm-hmm. That's when, you know, people are like, well, what's wrong with you? Yeah. You've been blindsided. Oh, and, honey, and you have no idea mm-hmm. what's wrong with me. <laughs> I appreciate yeah. Jenny how, in our, in our world of, of, you know, perfect Instagram of influencers who are like, oh my God, my life is just beautiful all the time and Facebook and all that stuff. You know, she is using her, her celebrity or her platform, her, her gift of writing mm-hmm. to say, that's all a huge ass lie that I really appreciate that that's what she's using her life for. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she really is an advocate. Definitely. Um, oh, yes. Or those that suffer from mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that there is still a stigma um, in our culture because, like you all said, it's an invisible illness. It's, it's just something that, like, I think there are bastions in our society that would say it doesn't even exist. Like, they want to minimize mm-hmm. it. They want to tell that person to get up, get out of bed, bootstrap yourself, mm-hmm. go get a job. And this runs in my family, too, and I have this same feeling for some of my family members that are not, um, you know, functioning in the way that I feel like there's so much pr- pressure um, in our society to function. Yeah. And if you don't live up to that, then then there's something wrong with you, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in that, and saying that in, in that very statement, you always feel like there's something wrong with you. And I mean, there is, it's an illness, but it's not... That's different in, in accepting that, like, this is actually a, a, a condition that you can't help, right? Mm-hmm. And it's not your fault. It's not your fault. That's yeah. right. Yeah, speaking of, of stigma, I, you know, I think definitely, Jana, there's stigma about, you know, people with mental illness or depression that they're having a hard time just functioning. Mm-hmm. How you're supposed to function in society, right? You're supposed to have this job, and you're supposed to have this family or this relationship or these kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
So I, I do think there's still a stigma. I think it's getting a little better thanks to people like Jenny. As a person who has mental illness, what I have noticed, the stigma being on how you treat it. There's a lot of stigma against pharmaceuticals, antidepressants, huh. things Great. like that. Yes. Um, you, you go on, um, just do a Google search and, you know, like Zoloft or getting off Zoloft or Zoloft for depression. And there'll be so many people who will be like, this is just big pharma trying to make a buck. Um, you need a better diet. You need to take these essential oils. You need to do this therapy, you know, all these things that are natural that aren't the pharmaceutical and, Sure, those probably work. I know exercise helps. It keeps it at bay. Mm-hmm. Um, therapy, yeah, that helps a lot. Talking to somebody, having mm-hmm. you know, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. But for me, nothing, nothing works mm-hmm. except for medication. Mm-hmm. And I've had to try different ones. They, they work for like five years. Perfect. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's just, you know, they oh stop my. working. You have to find oh something my. new. Mm-hmm. And no, I don't like taking medication. I don't mm-hmm. like having to pop a pill every morning to be a normal human being, but I have to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you think that that's bad and that I'm just some shill for the <laughs> pharmaceutical <laughs> company, well, F you, you know? Yeah. Um, but I yeah. think that's where a huge amount of, of stigma still is with even some people who, who maybe have, have, overcome because they had a better diet or, or they mm-hmm. were healthier. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I think too, I mean, it kind of, for me, goes back to those jelly beans. Like it's not a, it's not a one answer, one formula for everybody, because even if you and I have the exact same condition yep. or oh, conditions boy. or mm-hmm. whatever, or manifestations of that, we may have completely different needs because so many things in our bodies are going to be different. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I feel like too, some people who can say, well, I take this one thing. It's like, oh, okay, well, if you need that, but God help you if you need a cocktail of them. Mm. Like, right. you, you know, Ginny Loss, she takes, uh, you know, a bunch of things for her physical, for her RA oh, and yeah. for all these other things. Yes. And then takes, you know, so many things that work in tandem with each mm-hmm. other to help. But mm-hmm. you know what, if that's what you need and if some of it is medication and or whatever and, and dosing, dosing can take months, dosing oh, can take years in the mm-hmm. meantime, you know, that can compound your anxiety, which can, <laughs> yeah. you know, so there's so much you just can feel like a wave is coming over you that you just cannot get above no matter how hard you try. Mm -hmm. In the meantime, you feel like you still have to hold down a job and do all of the other responsibilities. You know, you've got maybe other people to feed and take care of or, Mm -hmm. you know, that adulting. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And you're not allowed to fall down. You're not allowed to have more than, you know, five bad days. Like she talks (laughs) about, you know, when you've been like this for a long, 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 long time, you know, people get sort of tired of you yeah. not being okay. Yeah. And it's like, Gosh, well, I yes. may not ever be okay. You yeah. know, I may not ever be like really functional in the way that you want me mm-hmm. to be. But yeah, I, I have a, cr- yeah, I, I see it as a it, chronic illness. Yeah, Absolutely. I have yes. this really helpful quote that I wrote down that she uses to describe her illness. Mm-hmm. And she writes, every action takes work as if living with a mental illness is like waking into a different disability each day. Mm-hmm. Oh my, yeah, yeah. 
And I, I think that's very true. Like, you know, got to get up, <laughs> got to help my daughter, you know, mm-hmm. all of those things right. are so much more difficult right. um, when you are living with this. And she describes her brain as wanting to kill her. Mm-hmm. It's hard to live with a brain that wants to kill you. Absolutely. <laughs> it's yeah. A, and, and yeah, she talked about depression is a liar mm-hmm. and she's mm-hmm. totally right. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in that funk, you think that you'll never get out. I've yeah. been there. I've like, okay, this time, this time. I'm never going to be anxiety free. You know, Mm -hmm. this is going to be my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know, I know deep down you'll get out of it because you've gone out of it before, Mm -hmm. but your brain says, Oh no, not this time. This time it's different. This time it's worse. Mm -hmm. This time you're, you're older. This time you're closer to perimenopause. This time, Mm -hmm. this, 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 Mm this, you know, and it's just trying to convince you that this is going to be how it is. And you believe it because you have zero perspective. It destroys perspective. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you forget to, to see that it's a journey, that it's not all of the times that you didn't make it over the hurdle mm-hmm. and that you're back where you think you're back at square one. Right. But, and you can't believe that you've grown. You can't believe that it's better. You can't, you know, and then your brain goes to places of like, well, why do my, you know, why do the people in my life stay with me? Exactly. Why don't they give up on me? You know, Mm. uh, am am I just totally screwing up my kids? Oh my gosh. Did I pass this on to them? Am I screwing them up? Are they going to be, you know, unable to function because I didn't, or I did the wrong thing or I took pills when I was pregnant with them. Mm -hmm. I didn't even stand. I was convinced that I was, you know, I'm going to destroy my children. I was so anxiety ridden. I wouldn't stand in front of the microwave. Mm-hmm. I have no idea if it mattered, but I just, I would, I, yes. you know, I, w- I would really almost have a breakdown. I would like microwave something and push the button and run away mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. what if, what if, what yeah. if you and can the, what if yourself to pieces, you absolutely can. Yeah. And, you know, and I think sometimes people don't realize how quickly you can go to a very, very dark place. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, faster than a Ferrari, mm-hmm. you can mm-hmm. go. Your from, little trigger will just, ching. yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't know why, why that time? Right, mm-hmm. and it's it's from everything is fine to oh my god, my daughter could be kidnapped and taken into human trafficking. And you're like, oh, she gosh. is sitting next to you at the dining room table. <laughs> this is not rational. Yeah. But, but what if? But 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 but, and did I check the locks five times? And did I? You mm. know. So, so something that that Lawson does um, beyond taking medications is to try TMS, which if, if yes. you don't oh, know yes. about it. Um, it's a non-invasive that treatment that uses electromagnetic pulses to stimulate nerve cells. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hadn't really heard much about that before, so yeah. I found that chapter pretty interesting. Very. Um, mm-hmm. And it enabled her to start feeling her emotions again because she said that um, depression for me is a painful lack of emotion, mm-hmm. a disconnection from the world. Mm-hmm. And she describes in this really hard-hitting chapter about herself crying in her car after she had gotten the treatment, Mm -hmm. um, because she says, um, I had almost forgotten what it was like to feel human. Yeah. Um, And she records herself uh, in the car, and she said, you know, I was really unmade up. So she's from Texas, right? So she's always going to have the hair. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Her actual blog-esque photo is like her hair up in the curlers, Mm -hmm. and she's holding her her hair dryer there, (laughs) right? So she's one of those ladies, like the southern ladies that very made up. So she was not made up. She was messy, quote, and ugly because I needed a reminder that it was working, (laughs) that mental illness was real, and that I was worth working for a cure, even if it's temporary. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I just, I was really affected by that. I was blown away by your courage in, Mm -hmm. first of all, talking about that, but also, you know, when when the feelings came back, Mm -hmm. she let them 
she let him come back. Yeah. It, and uh, experience the full range of her humanity in that moment. And yeah. yeah, I would love to hear if she's, you know, going to go back for, for more TMS. Yeah. <laughs> and then see if it becomes more permanent. Yeah. That um, maybe it's not for everybody, maybe it's not totally effective for every person, but it seems to have made a big difference for her. Well, one of the things um, that was I thought was really poignant, and, and I think Jana had you wanted to talk about this too, is the chapter where she t- toward the beginning she talks about taking a trip to New York. Yes, and she um, is in the hotel room, and she's just so crippled by her anxiety. She's just absolutely gripped by it. She cannot leave. She cannot walk out that door, and she wants to. Like part of her is like, I would love to go explore. I know there's wonderful things out here and I've not been here before and um, so many opportunities and then the guilt of not having the opportunity mm-hmm. and I'm wasting this and people are counting on me and the whole thing. And she finds herself looking down at the um, the fountain and there's like a, it almost, she describes it as like a dandelion puff kind of of water mm-hmm. and how she sees the rainbow in it. And um, I loved that she flips it and you can't always, but the part where at the very end of that chapter on page 32, she, she sees it from a window and she's realizing the opportunity um, of her perspective to actually just see the beauty in the moment, just to see, I got the opportunity to see what this looks like from this window. Not, I can't get due. I can't, you know, all of these negativity, but I actually was in the right place at the right time Mm -hmm. for this. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. That has value. I think that's a, like an allegory for the rest of her book, uh, where she, she talks about the brokenness that, that she has and that, that we all have the monsters that we have and, um, that it's not, it doesn't matter that we have them. It just, it matters what we do with them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you are broken, um, it provides opportunity for change, right? And so she ties in the Japanese idea of kintsugi, which is oh, where yes. they mend the pottery with um, precious metals that's broken. They put it back together. And what happens? Well, it becomes more n- unique. It's changed. It has a different appearance. And it's to them, more beautiful, right? Because it is so unique. I love that she prefaces this book with Anthem um, by Leonard Cohen, uh, some of the lyrics, and I'll just say it now because I loved it so much. Ring the bells that still can ring. Forget your perfect offering. There is a crack, a crack in everything. That's how the light gets in. We'll take a short break here, and then we'll be right back for more discussion of Jenny Lawson's Broken. Book Chatter Podcast is sponsored by the Friends of the Longmont Library. Hey listeners, did you know the Longmont Library has a collection of useful items that you can borrow? It's called the Library of Things. You can check out a telescope for the family campout or a GoPro to record your epic bike ride. We also offer ukuleles, a projector, and a DVD player. You can find out what is available and how to check them out by going to our website. Some restrictions apply. New items will be added soon, so make sure to check back. I also wanted to tell you about the new Book Chatter podcast newsletter. It comes out monthly, and you will get more information about our episodes, as well as reading suggestions. To subscribe, click on Sign Up for e-newsletters on our homepage, and choose Book Chatter. Now, back to our episode. 
And we're back. Uh, On to the topic of insurance, particularly health insurance. And uh, one of our listeners uh, commented, the open letter to her health insurance company, like you said, Josie, is right on, especially for those who are sick physically or mentally. Wow. What a very hard hitting chapter. It, it, yeah, it just, it, it's really, it makes you so angry. Yes. So angry. For sure. Yep. One of the, the little girls that I took care of ages ago when I was in college, um, mm-hmm. she had some specific med- medical conditions, mm-hmm. and one of them was a genetic one that had to do with the breakdown of proteins in her body. Mm-hmm. One was severe re- reflux, and one, one was a sensory integration issue, and they all fed together to say food was evil mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. the day she was born. Mm. Um, sensorily, it would get, the signals would get scrambled. Yep. And then if you, you ate, and every time you ate as a newborn, it came back up and burned. Oh. And then any fats in it, your body's just not even going to process. Oh, boy. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, when you know, you're taking your daughter in every three days to the emergency room for dehydration and you just gave birth to her, mm. they were denying coverage because they said, oh, this is an eating disorder. Mm. For an infant? Right, yeah. right. She's not even three months old. And they were like, no, we don't cover eating disorders. Oh, for God's sake. And my, um, the, the gentleman I worked for, um, Bill, he was like, I guarantee you somewhere in that insurance company is a file that says case, that says her name and says Father SOB. Because <laughs> I, I am calling them all the time and telling them this is not okay. And the difference was when they changed it to feeding disorder, Oh, sure. Now we'll cover it. Are you flipping kidding me? Mm. Yeah, just a little word and how it's billed and whatnot. Mm. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. she ended up needing a gastrostomy. We had to feed her through a valve in her stomach. Had to have her esophagus wrap. Parts Mm. of her went all over the world to be biopsied to figure out what this was. And, Mm -hmm. you know, her first year of life was $100,000. Next topic has to do with marriage. And I love Marriage. how <laughs> <laughs> Marriage is what brings us together yeah. today. A dream within a dream. Sorry. Oh my god. Um and uh yes, I uh, among other things, Jenny Lawson is very candid. Uh, about the ups and downs in her marriage with her husband Victor, and uh, sometimes it it it's almost like a slapstick comedy the way she talks about it. But beneath all that, I think she's got a message there about the uh, the importance of laughter to getting along. Absolutely, and yeah, Josie, right. you want to yeah. run with that one? Right on, laughter is vitally important. <laughs> it really is. Uh, you know, I, I I appreciated she talked about marriage and how difficult it can be. A part I found poignant was was uh, I can't remember what she was doing. She was starting to feel better. Maybe the the T TMS. What is it? Oh, transcranial Trans- magnetic TS stimulation. Something or other. Yeah, yeah. Um, the hammering in her brain, yes. as she called it. Uh, you know, he's like, what? You know, what happens if if you're okay? If you're if you're uh, healthy, yeah. you know, and right. and he had seen his role as being the caretaker, right, the stable one, the one that supported her, and what mm-hmm. if she didn't need that anymore? And mm-hmm. and that was quite a moment of vulnerability. Sure, oh, um, and we 
I mean, I don't know about your guys' marriage, but yeah, there's dynamics in the marriages that you just get used to. I'm, mm-hmm. you know, I'm the strong one or I'm the weak one or I'm mm-hmm. the one that can plan really well or I'm the, you know, and, and you kind of have these identities. And if, yes. if something happens to change that, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. So I appreciate that she brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like at some time, sometimes kind of early on, maybe, maybe in that shoe chapter, um, I hate the shoe <laughs> chapter guys. I got a, like an I love Lucy sort of vibe, yeah. you know, right, and right. I could hear Victor saying, oh, Lucy, you know, <laughs> and, what's wrong with you, you know, and she's this ditzy Lucy yes. and he's Ricky Ricardo and, and always having to fix Lucy's stupid ass problems. And mm-hmm. I don't think that that's how their marriage is, but no, I doubt it. Yeah. But early on, that was kind of what, right. what I heard. Right. And I was a little annoyed mm-hmm. that he was always sort of, you know, oh gosh, scratching his head, or oh, you know, Jenny, you're just such a ditz, and um, yeah. I don't think she meant for that to come off that way, but right. that's how I took it at first. <laughs> Got it. Oh, and then fighting in front of your children, yeah, that was something I appreciate that she talked about. Absolutely, to fight healthily uh, in front of your children. Yes, yeah, not behind a door mm-hmm. where they never see any problems get solved. Right, yeah, I suppose. Or even some some testy emotions, or or right. or right, even loud exchanges. You know, right. not not to the point of abuse, but no, no, yes, no. Yes. your kids need to see that arguments do get settled. Yeah, and that it's it, you know it's not a bad marriage if if you if have if you're fighting differences. Right. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. don't have to divorce because you're having a rough patch. You know, oh yeah, my gosh, yeah. or because you weren't right. Mm. Right, they didn't see that I was right. Right, who cares who's right? <laughs> I mean, unless it's safety, mm-hmm. care. You yeah. know, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yeah. there, there was some point in the book, I know, because I, I, I laughed out loud because it's so true, that she said, you know, my husband's basically an effing saint, and he's also an asshole. Right. And those are not mutually <laughs> exclusive. No. no. And, and she's right, yeah. right, because we all do that. Right. Some days we can be endlessly patient with a really stupid spouse, and then the next day we can be the asshole. And uh-huh. right. it just happens, and, and Victor does kind of come off as as um, the good guy in this story most of the time. Right. And 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 yet she's very clear that we're both kind of broken. Right. That, that yeah, we both have areas where we struggle. Mm-hmm. And and let's be honest about that. And and that's so refreshing, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I like the quote that she writes about marriage where she says, basically the secret to a long lasting marriage is memory loss yes. and yeah. well being <laughs> lies and beach margaritas. Yes. <laughs> and I think we can all relate to that, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, she comes to realize that that they're functioning as a team and yeah. they may be a quirky yes. team. She writes, um, I try not to judge us um, by any other standard than our own because we were weird in our own crazy way. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, the only way forward was the one that we made ourselves. And so, yes, they're, they're both broken in, in some way, right? Like we right. all are. But, right. they, mm-hmm. but they function together um, in that kind of weirdness. And I think that's how many marriages function. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really enjoyed what she was trying to get at when she talked about the idea of being broken and and the idea of um, putting things back together because it's the quirkiness that, that describes that it's different. It's, it's, it's changed. And she says that, you know, if you look closely, you can tell that, that um, the, the dove that breaks on her desk, um, that, that she's special. She doesn't throw the dove away. She, she keeps that dove, right? Um, Because she has a story to tell broken things always do. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And sometimes the, this, the story is so much more important than the object or than the original purpose. And who'd want to be around people who don't have a story? Right. Who, who just so dull. Always. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> always, you know, accomplish and do what they're supposed to do. And, mm-hmm. and it's, I mean, exactly. it, it reminded me um, of the Velveteen Rabbit yes. when oh. I was reading this. And I love ah. that book oh. so much. And <laughs> she says, you know, I, when I look closely at the stories that make up my life, a strange theme emerges. It's the idea that something is only real if it's damaged. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that rabbit was, you know, so loved by the boy right. that even though he comforted the boy during scarlet fever mm-hmm. um, and he got so tattered um, and he was put in a trash heap to be burned. Like he, the fairy came and changed him yeah. um, because yeah. he had been so beloved. And, and part of that being beloved is that you, you get damaged, right? Right. I did want to talk a little bit about the cover of the book mm-hmm. mm. um, and it ties into this theme that we're currently discussing, but the cover is by an artist, Omar Rayan. Um, and it is just a beautiful portrait of the author, Jenny Lawson, and she's holding a monster. To me, it looks kind of like a little dragon, yeah. and it's got a bunch of flowers in its teeth. It has and it a has bow. Some, it does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah, it's got a bow, um, and it's just the cutest. It's got a little pot belly, mm-hmm. um, but <laughs> the illustration is to to sum up the theme of the book that you know we all have these dragons like I mentioned before but it it, it matters like what we do with our our monsters or our dragons mm-hmm. um and I love this quote where she says there is something wonderful and embracing so she's embracing this monster that she's holding on the cover the peculiar and extraordinary monsters that make us unique there is joy in accepting the curious and erratic beasts that force us to see the world in new ways and there is an uncanny sort of fellowship that comes when you recognize the beasties that other people carry with them and the battles we are all fighting, even when they seem invisible to the rest of the world. Um, and I think part of her mission is to let us know that we're not alone. We're not alone in our quirkiness and in our weirdness and in our brokenness. Um, and let's just be upfront and honest with each other, right, so that we can we can accept each other and, and feel more normal, I think. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and in the book, she says, you know, she's talking directly to her readers. As you listen to this, you are not alone. We are together. I think she really wants her readers to feel that books and stories can save people. And she has an epilogue at the end of the book. It's not in the print book, but it is in the audio version that was added after covid And she does write that um, bookstores and libraries are sanctuary to me in the same way that I suspect churches are to religious people. And she writes, I am lucky because I have been saved again and again by books. So I think that that she's really putting forward this idea that by telling these stories, we help to save each other. Yeah, we've we've gotten a lot of feedback from patrons. I know I have. I know you all have that. Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh. You know, you've been my lifesaver this whole time that I could still get books. You know, I could still. Oh, yes. Escape and learn and mm-hmm. and and do all these things in my isolation. Mm-hmm. And I'm really proud of the work we've done, <laughs> even yeah. though we haven't been open. Yeah. 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 Well, thank you, Denise, Jana, and Josie, for a great discussion of Broken in the Best Possible Way by Jenny Lawson. Our pick for the August episode is A Walk Around the Block. Stoplight secrets, mischievous squirrels, manhole mysteries, and other stuff you see every day and know nothing about by Spike Carlson. And you can participate. 
Read the book, then share your comments and questions with us online by email or voicemail. See our program notes for details on how to do this. And thanks for listening. See you next time on Book Chatter, the book club for busy people.